want to figure out what I'm going to do. And she's like, well, you know, have you ever thought about real estate? I was like, oh, my God. Oh, oh, stop. You're kidding, right? Like, I am educated. And furthermore, people in real estate eat their young. I am not. That's just not my jam. I'm sorry. And she was like, dude. I'm like, oh, oh right. Except, I'm sorry. Present company excluded. And then a light went off in my head. I was like, well, wait a minute. If she can do it with dignity and heart, well, Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 172 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you once again for tuning in. As always, thank you so much for telling a friend. It's how we continue to grow this little corner of the internet. And uh, I'm, I can't tell you how excited I am to, to, to talk to today's guest. I, I met her for the first time where I got to actually sit down and we'll call it break bread. Well, it was pizza, but that's close enough. <laughs> and I'm, I'm talking about Katie Clancy. <laughs> Katie is the, the chief house hawker for the Cape House at William Ravis team. Uh, and that, that actually, the Cape House means it's out on Cape Cod. So I have so many questions for Katie just to, that are going to be about geography, but we're going to talk about her entire business. Katie, welcome to the podcast. I am so pumped to be here, Bill. Thank you so much for having me. Well, as I mentioned, we had a great time in Vegas. It was really fun to talk to you and, and kind of get a sense of who you are because I've seen you on the stage in Inman a couple of times now. And my guess is that that's not going to be the last time I see you up there. Uh, because you have a very, yeah, in a good way, right? Yeah. 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 So let me, first of all, Cape Cod. I've never been there. I have been to Boston, but I know that's not the Cape. So you're a native, right? Talk about growing up uh, as a child there and, and what that was like. Well, I need to make a distinction first because I am not technically a native. Okay. You have to have been born here. My children are natives. I was born off Cape, as they say, on the other side of the bridge, on the other side of the canal. So I will forever be, no matter how many years I'm here, be considered a wash ashore. So <laughs> okay. There's that distinction. All right. We're weird people here. We're, it's kind of an island mentality in a lot of ways. They say uh, Cape Cod girls, they comb their hair with codfish bones, you know, which is, is kind of funny. I like, I like the island uh, mentality. We're very small town, New England. Like, when I was a kid and I was like getting a fight with my mom, I would just get on my bike and ride to the beach and be mad there. And then I'm like, it's hard to be mad at the beach. <laughs> so that was good. But, you know, it, it was all about, you know, I live in this resort community and I have since I was a kid. So we had like summer jobs and summer friends. We actually do weird things like we mulch our gardens with seaweed. That's a thing. That's real. Wow. Because I hauled many a bucket from the beach to the house for that purpose when the buckets seem so big they're not I look at them now I'm like that buckets were not big and you just are a whiner but also I was very small when I was doing it so right it was big what should we know about Cape Cod that we don't well there's some funny sort of quirky things and then there's some kind of serious things that I like people to know like the funny quirky things are like all right let's start with this how do you pronounce the following word? I'm going to spell it. S-C-A-L-L-O-P. 
scallop. Okay, you you are not a Cape Codder, clearly. <laughs> that is now. How do you pronounce this word? C A L L. Call. Yeah, scallop. It's a scallop bill. <laughs> okay, you're right. You got me. Okay, scallop. <laughs> All right. Good. Um, and I have another one for you that I you, you I won't shame you on because you probably don't know how to pronounce this one. Q U A H O G. Now I might know that because I'm a Family Guy guy. That's, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, can I, can I, I give it a guess? Can I say Quahog? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about Family Guy. Oh my God. And he nails it. That's kind of funny. Yeah. That's but the it. cool yeah. things about, yeah, about living here on the Cape and like the whole Cape Cod feeling thing is like we, we really do mark the seasons by like when the herring are running, when the right whales come into the bay, like by the color of the cranberry bog and when the tourists get here, because like I said, we're a resort, second home kind of place. Um, we actually joke that April 1st is Cape Cod New Year. <laughs> <laughs> That's when everybody's showing up. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of when everything sort of really opens back up again. It doesn't shut down completely. It just changes right. in the in the off season. It's a different thing. On a more serious note, it's a really good place for a self-starter. I guess the world is a good place for self-starters, but like entrepreneurs in particular do really well here in the Cape because we've got a lot of resources for small businesses because we have this, we have a good retirement population. We have these people who have been in industries like very, very, you know, high positions and, you know, great experience that are happy to come now and just volunteer and as, you know, volunteer consultants, essentially, to um, local business owners, which is really kind of awesome. Wow, it's it's like um, the Cape mentoring program, huh? That's yeah, cool. we literally we do. We have a mentoring program. We have a Cape Cod Young Professionals. We have a a very strong um, network of uh, resources out here. And people are always trying new things. A lot of really cool businesses have um, started here and are thriving. But by the same, and actually, what's also cool is we also still have aquaculture and fishing and farming actually does still happen here but we also have our challenges you actually kind of live in a, a resort area too don't you i do i'm in st petersburg florida so the same sort of yeah. thing. our season's the opposite of yours right our season's hitting right now right <laughs> so yeah exactly uh, yeah so we have we used to there used to be like a funny joke that we're like a small drinking community community with a fishing problem <laughs> but we're <laughs> Actually, the one thing that, that we're really that we're, we're struggling with, but we're we're rallying against, is you know since the opioids came on the scene, it's not it's not funny anymore. It's quite serious, and so uh, that's something. But the great thing about it is when whenever something hard happens to us to our community, we just absolutely just flood it with effort, attention, money, help. People like when we have tragedies here. It is small town all day long. We we rally and we really take good care of our own, and uh, and that's how we're facing you know challenges like the opioid epidemic, and we've got you know various assorted things that anybody has to deal with. But we just we hammer it. That's I love that about living here. I love that. I love that yeah. too. Um, 
there's always I always when, a, when a, especially a resort style area. What's what's the biggest misconception people have when they find out you live on Cape Cod? What's the one thing they say? <laughs> this is the best one. I love I love this question because people think that that the place just empties out. Labor Day comes and just like everybody crosses the bridge, they shut the door and like the land goes to sleep for six months. And in fact, when I told my friends from on the other side of the bridge that I was moving, they're like, "Is it how much?" Is there only just, is there just one high school there? <laughs> Actually, we have 15 towns here. Nine, we have nine public high schools, at least three private high schools. But it is true. Like our year round population is, is about 200,000. And it like, it grows by 250%. We'd like it multiplied by two and a half. Wow. To uh, 500 plus in the summer, which is really fun. But it's, it's, it's just funny that people think that just it's that nothing happens here. Actually, some of the coolest stuff happens here between Labor Day and Memorial Day. It's like we all kind of come out of our hiding and uh, and do our locals thing. Back to you, you, your story. I know that you uh, you graduated from UMass Amherst. I yep. a little more digging. You got a master's in education from Leslie College, also up there in the Northeast. Yep. Uh, so I'm just going to throw out a wild guess. Were you in education before you became a realtor? Yeah, in fact, I was. But what is not on my resume is in 92, I think, 90, 91, I was applying for my doctorate in my degrees in zoology. And I was applying for my doctorate and I was going to study the taxonomy of fishes and make some new bold claims about evolution and all this good. And then I met my husband. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to go for my MRS instead. <laughs> I got it. So and, where did, yeah, you, where did yeah. you end up teaching? What kind of, uh, what, what was your career like before uh, real estate got you? I was a founding teacher at one of the first rounds of charter schools in the state. And that was uh, pretty exciting. And it was, it's funny, you know, so I worked in teaching for on and off for 10 years. And I, I realized what I loved so much about like why I loved my first job so much was because we were doing something that had never been done before. We were entrepreneurs. We were starting this brand new school, brand new model, had piles of enemies, all sorts of things working against us. And like, we were not just teaching. I was picking out carpet. I was making the schedule. Like we had all hands on deck to get this school up, get it up and running and then keep it up and running. It was awesome. And it really, it turns out, in hindsight, I realized, scratched this itch that I had for entrepreneurship. It's, it's my jam. Because I realized, you know, X number of years into it, that after we had settled into a groove and, you know, the scary part was over and, and we were rocking and rolling. I mean, other things happened in my life, which I won't go into now. But I also realized that I am not great at being an employee. <laughs> I. <laughs> I, I don't super love punching someone else's clock. I always seem to have like another idea that sometimes I received well and sometimes not. And I just, I, I realized that, well, actually it's going to be a segue of how I got out of teaching sure. <laughs> and into real estate. But I was driving with a friend of mine um, who has, she and her husband have a construction and engineering company and she does, she has a real estate arm of it. It's just her, but she's like, I just, she's one of my favorite people. She's an excellent human being. She is, has so much class. She's such a good 
like just such a good human, someone I really, really respect. And we're driving, I'm like, I gotta figure out what I'm gonna do. And she's like, well, you know, have you ever thought about real estate? I was like, oh my God. Oh, oh, stop. You're kidding, right? Like, I am educated. And furthermore, people in real estate eat their young. I am not. That's just not my jam. I'm sorry. And she was like, dude. I'm like, oh, oh right. Except, I'm sorry. Present company excluded. And then a light went off in my head. I was like, well, wait a minute. If she can do it with dignity and heart, well, Maybe I could. And so I got my license and I worked with her for a while. And I was like, I think maybe I could do this. Maybe this would work. And I won't go into the, the gory details, but um, I found out quickly that it, actually I was right about a lot of my assertions in, in real estate. And I was pretty miserable in the beginning till I had a shift in my mindset. And uh, then sort of it was like the rest is history when I changed, changed my mind. I would guess that you talked about the entrepreneurial spirit you felt when you were helping start that charter school. Those those lessons yep. and all that hard work and all that stuff you went through, it absolutely applied to your real estate career, right? Oh, 100%. Right. Uh, and then and then I'm just going to guess, uh, here's another guess, that it is a <laughs> relatively small community in the big picture and looking at the big picture of things. And so I'm sure there were lots of people who were very well entrenched who don't take well to newcomers, especially someone who's not a native uh, in their area. Was that? Well, no, eventually, because I was a child here. Okay. I didn't get the question. Like people, they knew I graduated high school here and everything. So unless someone asked, I'm not volunteering that information. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. If they think I was a native, fine. Perfect. <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. Where does William Ravis come into the picture? Where do you, and the, the whole Cape House concept, talk about how that uh, evolved. Oh, I love that you asked me that question. To me, we, the way I ended up on Cape Cod, my family, uh, my, my grandparents had had a small cottage here. And then my parents had been introduced through mutual friends down here. They were off from off Cape and they honeymooned here. We had, it we have a lot of history here and coming down to the cape house was like yeah get in the car and we're gonna take the ride we're gonna go over the bridge we're going to the cape house this weekend and going to the cape house meant it was gonna be beach time and you're gonna be with your friends and it was just you know like naughty pine on the walls and cooking out and parties and friends and just the cape house conjures up such a warm wonderful feeling that I knew that the name because and, and because we those are the houses that we deal in are these houses that are respites and and refuges for our clients and also with plenty of year-round people too but they're here because they love that feeling they love that it's kind of hard to get here that's fine don't work too hard to get here I like it when there's not a lot of people you know what I mean like people come here to be away from other things so it 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 just it's it's a feeling and that's why the name that's why the name works so well. You don't have a large team, right? What is it? What is your what no, is No, I the, don't. Yeah. Size is not everything. Okay. Okay. All right. Put that out there. I used to think that I had to like pile myself with agents and gonna do lots and lots of volume and you know, this is the agents are the way to go. Au contraire. What has made the biggest difference and I will get to the numbers, 
But what's made the, the, the people who've made the biggest difference on my team have been the, the roles that, that are involved with administrative and not just like, you know, keeping my files in order, but like helping with systems. My marketing assistant is, I, I think assistant isn't even, she's my queen. My marketing queen uh, is indispensable. And for agents, we've got my partner, Jeff. Now, technically on paper, he's not my partner, but I, he's so valuable to me, I give him that title. Um, because we realized that we sort of crossed paths out there and we realized that we've been in the same amount of experience, but we realized that our skill sets and our proclivities were really complementary. I am all about front of the house. I love getting the deals. I love negotiation. I love strategizing. I love staging. I love all of that outward facing stuff. I loved, I don't love a problem, but I'm into solving them. Like I, I, I am not afraid of it. I just love to get my hands right in the dirt and fix it. And he is, he loves a system, loves a good file. He, his paperwork is tight. Like our stuff is on point. Lawyers see our name on stuff and they're like, yes, everything's going to be on time. Nobody's going to miss an inspection. All the dates are going to be, you know, perfect. Like we, we, we run a very tight ship because of the way we have shared labor. But Jeff is also a full-time agent. And so I, and I bring in most of the business too, because that's my thing, you know, and, and he brings in some too. But then I just, my most recent hire, I don't know if you saw my most recent vlog, the captain. The captain, sure. Okay, sorry. So I interviewed the captain. We just recently hired him. The captain is, I like to call him dad because he's my father. (laughs) (laughs) And he's been in sales his whole, virtually his whole career. And he's been in real estate since 97. But, you know, he's retired and everything. And I was like, dad, you know, I don't know. What do you say? You want to? work with me. So I stole him from our good friend, which was fine. And you've never seen someone do an open house like this guy. He gets there the day before, gets makes all his paperwork is at the house, all, all the displays, anything we want to have there. He maps out his sign route days in advance. We always have the like open house Sunday sign up when he's he because he's he nails the sign thing. And then he puts his signs out first thing in the morning. All but the last three, he likes to keep them guessing, goes home, has a good solid breakfast, comes back, puts out the rest of his signs and sits there and he'll sit there all blessed day if you want him to. If someone comes in at five minutes before the closing, he will sit there and shoot the breeze with them until they buy that house. And the great thing is, is, you know, he's in his 70s, so people are not threatened by him. He is the nicest, most approachable guy, but they walk out, they're like, holy crap, did I just buy a house? I'm like, yes, you did. Drop that mic. (laughs) Thank you, Captain. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. I, I, I love that. So talk about, yeah, talk about a great team, right? I mean, that's exactly what you needed. You've got someone handling marketing. you got someone who loves, loves to keep you compliant. And then you got, yes. then you got the, 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 uh, the 70-year-old sales guy. That's awesome. I love it. Boots on the ground. The guy loves it. He's got more leads than he knows what to do with. He's like, right. can you guys use these? He's like, I can't freaking hear anything anybody says on the phone. Can you, you guys want to take this? Like, yes, dad. Thank you. Yep. We'll take the lead. <laughs> thank you. That's, that's great. <laughs> well, that's, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. That's great. A lot of people are being told today that uh, you've got to be the local expert. You know, you got to find a niche. You got to really, you know, 
hyper-local has been a word for a while, but it's got a new focus. And you have this completely covered. You nail it. I mean, it, it, and, and what I want to do before we get into some of the cool stuff you do is if is put a little nugget out there for the, the, the agents that listen to this podcast and that do you have something you could tell someone who's been in the business a while so they know what they're doing. They're not new, but they, they know they got to get more local. What would you tell them? What are the, what are the first steps? Oh, okay. So if you're, we're talking about an experienced agent, they have this in the bag. And okay. here's why. Because they're probably, hopefully, not destitute. I mean, <laughs> usually if they've made it past the five-year mark, they're at least putting food on the table. So they're not panicking about dollars. That doesn't mean that you have to be rolling in it at all. Because I started my business, my local like community stuff, because I had no money. I didn't have enough money to invest in the traditional stuff. So I had to kind of make it up. So you don't have to have money, but if you have it, it's a bonus. You're also probably over yourself at this point. If you've been it for a little while, you, you're, you're not as worried about, oh, what if it doesn't work? Oh, I'm going to look bad. Oh, I don't know how to talk to this person. You just talk to them. And you probably also, if, if you've been in the community for any period of time, you have like all this low hanging fruit. So the first thing I would say is open up your credit card statement and your checkbook. Look where your money is going. Who are you supporting locally in business? It is so easy to just call. You paid these people. Okay. You give them money. You should not hesitate for a second to call them up and say, Hey, I was thinking about maybe doing something with you. What do you think? So the easiest, the first easiest thing that you could do if you're really just kind of switching from like a real transactional, traditional mindset to this relationship piece and you want to get involved in community stuff, I would start with a co-branded almost anything, but let's say you're doing a mailer. Okay, well then do a mailer with the local kitchen designer who just worked on your client's house. Be like, listen, I love what you did. Let's put a couple of photos of before and after of your work and let's chip in, both of us kick in a little, a few dollars. We'll do, um, you know, three months of mailings together because you know, one mailing, unless you're co-branding with a different vendor every time, you, which I, this is what I recommend you do is you co-brand with a different vendor every time, but you have to be consistent for it to actually turn into something. One mailing does not a campaign make. Right. So you, you, the, everything is about consistency. So that would be like the easiest first thing you could do. But I'll tell you what the first thing was that I did. And that was, I thought I found something that was really unique to my area. And that, like I told you, we've got a lot of aquaculture here. So we've got these like shell fishermen locally and there's this one guy who is an oyster farmer and he's he's kind of a nut and everybody knows him like he talk about the the like poster child for just grinding it out and hustling so you you grow oysters in flat you know out on the flats the tidal flats he has his farm out by uh, Chapin Beach which is a place where we all drive our car or use we've had some some weather events that have closed that beach to cars to trucks but anyway when it was open, he would go out there and he would just walk up and down the beach giving away oysters. And he built up this incredible following. And he, you know, everybody knows the East Dennis Oyster Farm now and John Lowell, the oyster guy. So I called up John. I'm like, John, I got to get in on some of that mojo. I don't know anybody. Well, I don't know. Nobody knows me as a real estate agent. I would like to do this. I would like to, I'm trying to build my Facebook following. So for every hundred followers that I get, I'd like to give away some oysters. 
And so that's what I did. Each time I got to a hundred, I would pick one person random. I would try to get that hundredth person, but let me don't try to do that. It's really hard um, <laughs> to <laughs> give away. So then I would just pick randomly and I would give away a dozen oysters to that person. So a dozen oysters cost me $12. I can afford that. And, but I would make a giant deal out of giving them away. I would make a big deal out of John. Therefore he has, he has a huge mouth. Also, he is someone you want to be on his good side because if he doesn't like you, he'll say so too. <laughs> so I made sure I was on, I'm on John's good side and um, I'd make a really big deal for free online about giving away these oysters. I would tag this person. I would go deliver them. We would take a picture together and post it. And everybody sees that this is going on. Who eats oysters? Rich people eat oysters. <laughs> At least that's what you think. You know what I mean? Right. Do you know that, by the way, sidebar squirrel, I have ADD, but uh, lobsters used to be fed to the slaves. Imagine that. They were garbage food in the colonial times. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Well, not, I would not joke about that. Don't make assumptions that uh, rich people are the only ones who eat that stuff. Gotcha. But yeah, so if someone wanted to get started, if you're really kind of taking a sidelong, you know, very slow entry, I'd, I'd co-brand your monthly or quarterly mailers with another, with a vendor that you like. And otherwise, I would hook up with, you know, a, someone who really embodies what happens in your local community. So you know what that is, what sets your little area apart and um, make it make it a local business or a local farmer or artisan or something like that and do a giveaway. You know, you're going to have to buy their stuff at first. You know, they're not going to give it away for free until they see that they're getting, you know, some sort of a return on it. In fact, John still charges me the best, and, but that's all right. I don't mind paying for him. It's worth it. <laughs> So John's just one of these partnerships you've created. You know, as a realtor on the Cape, let's talk about another one. Give me your, give me your, your next. Okay, favorite. all right, okay. We are a fun people. My my team. I am a fun person. So when Jeff and I had a closing, there's a local gallery and wine bar near our office, and so we would go there and have a drink and celebrate. And then you know the business started getting bigger, and we started drinking more and. You know, and one time we were celebrating and it would, cause we get, we go there at like four o'clock cause we've got to, you know, get home to our families or whatever. And we decided we were going to make up a drink. Me and the bartender were like, what if we made up a drink? Okay, great. So we made up this drink called the Cape house martini and just for giggles, whatever. Well, they, they put it up as a special and it ended up being their second most popular drink in the bar. But I, I started, I didn't feel, I felt, and this is probably a fault, but I, you know what? I don't think it is. I didn't feel right just to being like, look at me. I have a drink named after me. I'm so fancy. I don't mind that. I don't, I don't mind looking fancy, but it felt a little self-serving. I, I, and I'm not as good a person as I make myself out to be. I, I, I just, I've been through a lot. I've been in some really bad times in my life. And I, I realized that the best way out of them is to do something good for somebody else. So I, I take that principle and it has made me very happy and has, has, has been very profitable as well, it turns out. So on that theme, I said, how can this little drink idea benefit somebody besides me and loosely the, the bar? So I decided to make the drink. If you order a Cape House Martini at Harvest Gallery and Wine Bar and you post it online with the hashtag Cape House Martini, 
I search that hashtag from time to time and I will give $5 to the local land preservation trust for each time that happens. So I tied it into a local business, myself, my own business, and a local charity. And so now I feel a billion percent great about it. Everybody wins. And by the way, it's pretty tasty. It's a pretty good drink. <laughs> well, we'll make sure. Uh, I'm going to need a photo of that Cape House Martini. I'm sure you have one floating around somewhere. I do. I, do. I will make sure that goes on the post for the for the uh, podcast. So that'll be great. Okay. So awesome. Yeah. So. <laughs> You are all about giving uh, and and working with the community. I I came across the uh, CapeHousePride.com site when I was doing some research for this interview. I absolutely dig the Adirondack Chair Rainbow logo was fantastic. Can you tell us about that and what how that got started and what you're doing there? Yes, it is awesome. It was actually uh, Jeff's idea. So. Buying or selling a home is an incredibly personal and intimate undertaking. And the more comfortable and safe someone feels in that space, the more honest they can be with us about their, you know, what they're up to, why they're doing it, what their goals are, and the easier it is for us to help them reach their goals. And so we're lucky to live in a pretty socially um, progressive area. So there's not a ton of discrimination and bad behavior around here, but you know, there's some, we're not, we're not immune, but the people who are buying houses here are coming from places that aren't necessarily as open-minded as ours. And they don't know that they don't know that it's like a good, safe place. So we want to make sure we wanted to create like a welcoming network of real estate professionals where anyone like really anyone, but especially members of the LGBT community could be a hundred percent themselves without fear of judgment, at least about your sexuality. I will still judge you on your shoes and your taste in music, but not on uh, who okay. you love. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah. with Cape House Pride, are there other realtors that are a part of that as well? Or is it just kind of, because you, you said that. Yeah. So we're, it's a relatively new development in our business. And so we have a network of people who we vet. So we know the people who are cool. It, you know, it's the word we use. If they're cool, that you know, we don't necessarily even have to be like our favorite kind of a person. But if we know that they're tolerant and totally accepting, not just looking for like another business stream. Like I'm not. Right. We can spot that a mile away when someone's like, "Ooh, yeah, the gay community. That's great. They have all this money. Let's go." You're like, no, no, no. Right. Nope. We're not. You know, we're not. But we know it's. You know, it's pretty pretty easy to spot someone who's genuine, I think. Yeah. yeah I'm here in St. Petersburg. Once again, uh, a large gay population, very tolerant here as well, very inclusive. And so it made my heart warm when I saw what yeah, you're Yeah, it's awesome. If anybody doesn't already know about NAGAREP, the National Association of Gay and Lesbian Real Estate Professionals, um, it's an awesome real estate organization. And they've created this incredible network across the country for that purpose. And the referrals that people are giving back and forth, uh, it's, the business is flying. Plus, Nagel Rep has gotten some real leverage from a lobbying standpoint, small scale with NAR, but even bigger in government. Well, they're getting there with government, but they, yeah, they, they've, they've done some really good stuff. And I'm, I'm a member and very proud to be. We'll link it. We'll put a, put a link to their, uh, to their site in the show notes. That's oh, good. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. So 
uh, you've you've presented all over the place now. I like I said, I've seen you in New York and San Francisco for the Inman events, right? With this this probably newfound experience and the experiences you're getting with the with the speaking tour, what's your favorite topic? Because I've seen you talk on different things, but if if you had to pick one thing to talk about, what would it be? My passion project is relationships. And it's, you know, yes, we all know that, that real estate is built on relationships, but the second thing we're taught after build relationships is how to exploit them. <laughs> and I, that's where I, I, we part ways from, you know, traditional real estate education, but like relationships are like the key to all, all the riches, to happiness, to wealth. It is, it's, it's just the way to go. I've actually, Lately, I've developed a real soft spot for people who are coming to a realization that that this business is not for them, mm. because I know that feeling. And I, in many cases, know exactly why they think this business is not for them. And uh, it's because they've been, it's what they've been taught about this business that's not for them. There's another way, and that's what I like to show people, is that there's another way to do this business that doesn't suck your soul it fills it let me let me ask you this question if, if you could change one thing one thing about the industry yeah the magic wand for the day what would it be okay all right are you ready for my manifesto yes absolutely let me uh, let me let me <laughs> let me get comfortable let me find a martini uh cape house martini i'm ready okay <laughs> so i believe this is this is a real thing I believe that real estate can be the happiest industry in America, in North America. Agents will one day regard the sale or purchase of a home as the sacred event that it is. And in our client's eyes, we will hold the same space for them as does their, well, or they'll hold the same space for us as the, their wedding officiant or their midwife. And finally, to each other, agents will be brothers and sisters. And I know this is possible because wow. it's true in my business and it's true in those businesses of others who think like this. So that's, that's what I would change. I would change just the mindset. That you have a network of, of comrades in the business who think the way you do and who are doing what you do, right? Like you, yeah. <laughs> well, there's, I think hard about some other people too. There's Molly McKinley, you know, that I... I, I've oh, grown oh, fond of, yes. yeah, right? And, and and then there are a lot of agents. There's Joe Scott, you know, over in Boston and, and yes. other people around the yep. country who who uh, are thinking the same way you are. Yeah, yep. that's great. Absolutely, all over the place. Yeah. This isn't something special to me, my personality, my market area, my age, my gender. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's it's just mindset and anybody can have have their head there. I actually wanted to say one more thing about that. Yeah, go ahead. The problem, the one problem from which all problems in our industry stem from is our mindset. We are taught from the very beginning to chase the dollar and, and we go and do it at great expense. We compromise our time. We compromise our family, our or, you know, it's our personal, our friends, whatever, our privacy, our money, our morals, like we really toe some lines and it's, it's a true thing. And it's, it, but it's, it is no surprise that we have elevated levels of suicide, 
substance abuse and divorce. Like we, we know what we're doing isn't right. We're good people. We are good people. Real estate agents are some of the best people I know. And when we go against what we know is right, it comes out in our bodies and it, it comes out in burnout. And it's not just I'm tired. It's like I'm tired of, of selling my soul to try to make a dollar. And, but that's, that's a mindset because I'm, listen, I'm all for the grind and hustle. There is nothing I have that didn't come from hard, hard work. It, but if our mindset was about chasing, and this sounds so airy fairy, but you can call it whatever you want. I'm calling it, I'm going on vacation next month with it. Okay. If we made our mindset about chasing the happiness of our clients and, and really of ourselves too, the money will follow. The money cannot be the object. Yes, I have annual goals. Yes, I have my like routines and the work that I do and the, you know, all of the time that I put into building my business. But the mindset that I do it with is what separates me from others because the way I do business is, is less of a desperate act, which is the way we come across a lot. And it's more of a crusade. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm looking to have an impact. I'm looking to have an impact and I know what that, that will lead to money. I, I, I'm not skipping over the impact part. That's great. That's great. Katie, I've had you here well over the half hour I asked of your time. So I'm going to give you the same oh, question. No, no, I, I, I apologize. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the same final question I've asked every guest on the, on the show. And that is if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent, just getting started, what would it be? Know yourself, know yourself, take some time to find out who you really are and if that means doing an actual like disc profile on yourself or just taking a long, you know, meditating about it, figure out like, who am I? What makes me tick? What do I love? What do I hate? What am I good at? What do I stink at? And then be yourself because you are awesome. You have something that somebody else wants and nobody else has it. You are the only one who has it. And, and if, you, if you can do that, if that's where you start, that is your secret weapon from which everything else will, will grow. Katie, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Come check me out at the website at thecapehouseteam.com and on all, everything social, I'm at at the Cape House. And you want a little insider tip? Sure. <laughs> like if you really want to know about me, come see me at my Instagram handle, my personal account. I'm putting it out there. Uh -oh. It's not that personal, but it tells you more. Well, it tells you more than the than just the real estate stuff. Um, is hell yeah bacon. <laughs> That's right. I knew that. <laughs> hell yeah bacon. <laughs> hell yeah bacon on Instagram <laughs> for the real. That's community. right. That's that's awesome. <laughs> Katie, I, I, you, you are, you are an amazing person. And I know you know that. And, and I, this was a wonderful episode. Thank you so much for, for, for finding some time to share your story. And uh, are you going to be at Inman in New York? I will. Yes, I will. Are I you will be there. I will be there. I will find you. Um, we'll have to have a drink, and uh, that would be great. So, uh, just uh, good, best of luck with everything you're doing out there on the Cape. One day I'll get there, and I know I have someone who can show me. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> You, you come here. We're having a Cape House martini. No joke. It's happening. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much, Katie. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. All right. Take care.